Hello everyone, Kevin here with a couple of announcements before we get into the show proper. In today's episode, I'll be interviewing Johnny Moran, current New York Championship Wrestling Heavyweight Champion. So, it is October, we are a good portion into the month, and there's a couple things that we have to look forward to. One, of course, is Halloween. Now, I, I know that I've been looking at certain costumes, debating, checking sizes, checking options, putting things together and all. And it's very easy to do on the website for HalloweenCostumes.com. Once again, HalloweenCostumes.com is part of the retro network for this holiday season. We here across all of the podcasts are thrilled to have them as a sponsor. Please go and check out all of their merchandise this holiday season. Find a costume, find a sweater, find some accessories, whatever you may need gearing up for Halloween. You can find it at HalloweenCostumes.com. But one of the things that you can't find, pretty much the only thing you can't find on HalloweenCostumes.com is pro wrestling action. However, if you would like to see some great pro wrestling action in the month of October, then I invite you to join me at New York Championship Wrestling Presents Slam Hane, taking place October 23rd in Albany, New York. Doors are at 5, bell time is at 6, front row is $25, leave one for me. Uh, so if you're listening, don't buy all the front row tickets, because I need one for myself. General admission is $20. Venue is the Afrim Sports Arena in Albany, New York. Go ahead to brownpapertickets.com, order your tickets today, and let's go ahead and talk some wrestling on today's show. Hi, this is Samantha Newark, probably best known as the voice of Jem and Jerrica from Jem and the Holograms, and you are listening to Hellions Talks. Almost live from a library near you, this is Hellions Talks, starring the masked library, Kevin Hellion. He is the lauder of the long box, the hero of the hall and he's on a mission to bag and board them all. Now the Retro Network proudly presents a talk show of comic proportions. Hello everyone, Kevin here. Welcome to an all-new episode of Hellions Talks. I'm excited for today's guest. Apologies, uh, usually... What I want to do and try to do is talk to someone uh, as part of this series. Before the show, I had a family commitment, though. It didn't happen. But it kind of gives something to talk about on today's show. Because fresh off of the Year 3 New York Championship Wrestling Show is the New York Championship Wrestling Heavyweight Champion of the World himself, John Moran. John, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. And, and, you know, I, uh, this interview was set up and I, I debated it. I, I really debated if we should go through and if I should pleasantly interview someone who made my son cry. Oh no, your son cried. <laughs> so, uh, this past weekend, this past Saturday for the year three show was his yeah. first wrestling show ever. Oh, really? He will not even, he's only eight years old. He will not even watch it on TV with me. Um, we'll make a joke. Uh, I'll say, hey, what do you think about wrestling? It's lame. 
It's dumb. Oh. Uh, booger wrestling was my favorite. Oh. Um, says the same thing about comics and, you know, anything else. Just to goof around. Right. And and then we go and walk around and catch Pokemon instead. But I thought I went to my first show ever, the, the previous um, New York Championship Wrestling show. Um, and I thought, what took me so long? This right. is fantastic. And even better than that, I thought, I can take him to this. Uh, we were d- talking a little bit um, off the air before we started recording. I would never take an eight-year-old to CZW, for example, right. Right. or ECW right. back in the day or, or certain other ones. But I thought, I can take him to New York Championship Wrestling. I feel totally fine and comfortable doing so. It's right down the road from us. He's not going to be out late, up late, anything. You know, totally comfortable. Let's right. go. I don't think he quite understood. Bad guys got to win sometimes. Uh-huh. Bad guys do win sometimes. Good. He, he wanted, wanted all, all good. good guys to win. <laughs> <laughs> did he want to murder Bougie then? He did, but you know, uh, like, like John, um, is it fair to assume at some point in your life you've watched Men in Black? Yes. Okay. My opinion is it's not your fault. The HVO did not take advantage of the rules or lack thereof for a casket match. Very true. There you are no have, rules. So. No, you have to put your opponent into a casket. There's no pinfall. There's no submission. There's no disqualification either. He could have had a friend come in and help him just like Bougie did. It's, exactly. There's nothing wrong with that. Much like Will Smith. It, was he cheating on all of those tests? No, he thought differently, and that's why he succeeded. You thought exactly. differently in this match, and that's why you still have the title today. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, I mean, you are doing this before our next show. Our next show is on the 23rd, so. Um, and and not the next show at the usual venue, though. No, this is in Albany. It's the first time that we've traveled to Albany, so New York Championship Wrestling is coming to Albany. Well, I mean, to be fair... You travel all the time anyways. Yeah, um, no, I'm constantly I, all over the place. Yeah, I, I'm not going to do this um, chronologically here. We'll bounce around a little bit. But I think, and, and I've said it to other wrestlers I've interviewed, one of the things that your general public, your, your people who aren't fans, your people who go, you know, that's all fake, right? And all that junk. One of the things that they don't understand is the absolute wear and tear on the body that isn't just in the ring. No matter how long your match is, could be five minutes, could be 30, could be an hour. You know, no matter how long that match is, the wear and tear comes in on the drive and putting all the miles in the car and getting no sleep and having to fit in your gym time. And for many independent wrestlers, having other jobs as well and then trying to find time for your family commitments for a partner or for kids or for whatever else. Like that's the brutal wear and tear. And I was looking at your recent schedule and I thought, how in the hell did he even find the time for all this? Well, it's funny. I was, I was on a podcast probably a month ago and they asked me, what did you, what do you do in your free time? I'm like, (laughs) free time. What's that? (laughs) I don't have it. Cause I literally, I've been booked Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I work a normal job. And as soon as I get out of my normal job, that's from eight to four, I get to the gym. I also uh, shoot my own podcast on uh, Wednesday nights. 
And then I train on Thursday nights. So like I have Monday and Tuesday to do like, you know, wash cooking for the week. And then the cycle starts over like this weekend. I'm not booked somehow. I I have to be at the (laughs) sanction. Like I I say that, but I have to be at the sanctuary. And I mean, I'm not in a wrestling match at the sanctuary. I'm, I'm just in like a segment. So I don't actually have to wrestle. So I literally am going to like, enjoy this weekend because my body my body really does need a break i am like beat well do you try to schedule breaks at all or does scheduling a break mean that's one weekend i'm not getting paid not not that you know yeah i mean you know jokes about indie wrestling and and certain promoters not any that you know we're friends with but we've all heard stories no no Um, no, definitely um (laughs) But not, you're not you're losing fat. money and you're losing FaceTime in front of a crowd, too, if you don't well, work a weekend, even though you might need that break for your body or for your mind. Yeah. So that's it. It's not so much the money. It's more of the FaceTime. And then, like, you have this fear because you're seeing everyone else put pictures out like, man, are they going to forget me? Like and then, like, you go through that little game in your head. And then sometimes, honestly, it's it's better that you do take that weekend off. So, hey, maybe they miss you that you weren't at that show or maybe maybe that fan goes to the promoter like hey where was moran this time and you know then maybe the promoter that didn't book you um reaches out to you and says like hey you know we we have fans asking for you man like we we need you back so i mean that that's kind of a good feeling because i have had that happen before like where like i wasn't there and like i know fans have like messaged me and said like hey we told the promoter that he needs you on this show next month and then I actually do get a message from the promoter. So, yeah, I mean, I didn't plan for this weekend to be off. I literally wanted to be off next weekend because I have my friend's wedding in California that I'm in. But, like, this weekend wasn't supposed to be planned off, but it just so happened to be off. Did you end up getting that next weekend off for the wedding, though? Yeah, no, I I, I blocked that out. So, like, I told every, like, the steady promotions I'm at, like, Titans Championship Wrestling, the Sanctuary, NYCW. I'm like, if you guys run this day, like, I will not be there. Camp Leapfrog, I told the same thing. Like, if you guys are running this weekend, like, I I can't make it. I have a wedding. So, like, usually if I'm, like, steady at a promotion, I'll message a promoter. Like, if I have, like, a vacation or, like, this, like, a wedding that I'm going to be in California, like, I let them know ahead of time. So your re- your relaxing weekend off is a cross country flight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's it's funny. Like I'm going with um, it's my like childhood best friend's little brother's wedding. So me and my best friend are literally just gonna make a week out of it. So we're traveling out there Monday and coming back Sunday, and the wedding's uh, Saturday and Friday. We have something to do and sunday we have something to do but like during the week we're we're literally just going to travel the coast a little bit oh have, nice. like a nice little venture yeah 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 i never did that so like he said he always wanted to do it so we were like screw it like i i have i took the week off of work and i'm like let's go it it's for you growing up um well i'm assuming and apologies for that but for you being in scranton area and i'm in new york mm-hmm. um the first time i went to california because many many years ago I was dating a girl that lived out there abs- like i may as well have gone to another country 
just for people, <laughs> for um, climate, for landscape, for everything. It was just I, I, my upstate New York ass didn't know what I was doing out there. Oh man! But absolutely beautiful it was worth the trip. Oh, you. Um, you, you will have a blast for sure. Oh yeah, I, I'm, I'm super, super excited for it. I, I've been out there to wrestle, but like I haven't gone out for like an actual like vacation, vacation. Well, for wrestling and like I mentioned before, for the travel. There's got to be numerous times where you're on the road to somewhere and you would love to stop. Here's a, it might just be a beautiful spot on the side of the road. It might be an actual tourist destination. It might be something else is going on in that town that night that you would love to go to, but you can't. You got to make it to the venue. You need to be in condition for the show. You need to, yeah, hopefully not always, but maybe go over the person that you're wrestling with the night. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, like I know when I was in California last time, I was there for uh, it was called LA Lucha. Um, you know, I was staying at a buddy of mine's and but a buddy of mine in Sacramento, so I think it was to LA. It was um, like a six-hour drive. So yeah, like I, like we drove through a bunch of cool stuff that I like saw in a window, but like. You don't get to like, hey, let's pull the car over. Let's go like walk up that mountain or something like just something crazy like that. Like if you wanted to go like because I remember we drove through like this giant like valley and like there were all these hills and stuff. And I'm like, man, if we weren't going to wrestle right now, I would so want to like pull over and hike that. And they were like, yeah, like you can hike up there. And like they were talking about it. I'm like, all right, don't talk about it because I don't want to like <laughs> I don't want to be depressed that I'm going to a wrestling show instead. Yeah, say it's awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just or, be like, oh no, you don't want to go up there. There's giant mountain lions or something. <laughs> yeah, it's actually illegal to go up there. You'll be arrested. All right, fine. Yeah. <laughs> so where did you start off with it? Was it because I know you're in Scranton now, but did you grow up in Scranton? Yes. No, I, I, I've always lived in Scranton. I lived for like a year in Jersey, like in my twenties. Like my early 20s, I lived in Jersey for like a year. But other than that, I've always lived in Scranton. I, I did a year in Jersey as well. Yeah. Uh, I'm not think, a fan of traffic. I, I found that out quick. No, I mean, I enjoyed being able to hop on a train, the subway, whatever, and yeah. get where I wanted to go. But the actual driving in a car traffic, nope. Uh, <laughs> I was yeah. not a fan of that. It was funny because like, like I got promoted at a job that I was at and they sent me out there for a year. And like, when I got out there, everybody like giggled at me and they were like, Oh, you, you haven't hit the traffic yet. And I'm like, what, what does that mean? They're like, just, all right. Like, so you don't show up late, like just plan ahead like an hour. And I'm like, wait, like an hour to get to work. And I was like, it says it's only 15 minutes from my house. And they're like, yeah, like plan an hour. And I'm like, is this is a joke. Like, I thought they were all joking with me. And then, like, literally, there was an hour before work, an hour after work that I would sit in traffic and, like, just be like, why did I do this? Why did I do this? <laughs> <laughs> no, and it's, like, I mean, the Scranton area is not that bad. And I live, no. you know, um, I mean, Syracuse is the closest thing you could call city to me. Mm -hmm. But I would say... You know, Syracuse, 
metropolitan area, and I say that with sarcasm, and Scranton area, like they're not too dissimilar size wise. And if you can handle traffic one, you can handle traffic another. Yeah. But yeah, once I went around the Jersey area, nope, nope, I was done. Even just uh, last weekend, I was in, I went to Oaks, Pennsylvania for convention, and we did a side trip because we found out SmackDown was in Philadelphia Friday yeah. night. So we said, oh, screw it, head over. Didn't realize the Phillies were playing at the same time and pretty oh much next door. I, yeah, I think it took us about two hours to go about 500 feet into the parking yeah. lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I hate when they do that. Like it gets insane if you're not there at like eight in the morning. And that's what I was thinking because we gave ourselves plenty of time if there was yeah. only one thing going on. Yeah, yeah. When they run doubles like that, it's it's crazy. Like there's not enough room in that. I mean, there is enough room for like parking and stuff, but like traffic wise, it's like insane. Yeah, especially uh, us coming through with New York plates. We kind of stood out a little bit, too. Yeah. <laughs> so, growing up in Scranton then, I'm assuming, because, I mean, Scranton, Pennsylvania, East Coast in general, is always a hotbed for wrestling. There's always yeah. stuff going on. You always flip through, you know, um, network or cable, and you can find the big ones, but you also find smaller promotions as well. Did the bug hit you when you were younger, when you were a kid, when you were a teenager, or did it come later in life that you discovered a, an enjoyment of wrestling? Well, technically it was when I was an infant. Um, <laughs> my, my older brother thought it would be funny to give me his Hulk Hogan LJN when I was teething. So like I have a Hulk Hogan LJN with my like teeth in it. Um, but my other brother, James, like I kind of like idolized him as a kid because he, he's 10 years older than me. So he was like a monster when I was like a kid. So I was like, whoa, like, how do you get so big? Like, I was just a little kid. Like, I didn't understand how like people grew and stuff like that. And he's like, you'll be big like this one day, too. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, how? Because <laughs> I was so small. <laughs> but like he would watch wrestling. And, like, he had all the magazines, he had all the LJNs, he had all Saturday Night Main Events, like, recorded on VHS. Like, when I was a kid, I was watching Saturday Night Main Event from, like, 19, like, 86, 87, like, like before I was born. And um, I have uh, Starcade 87, I wasn't even born yet, um, that my brother recorded. Uh, that way, that, and that was weird for me too, because like he had WWF, like everything. And then he had this one Starcade 87 tape and I would always look at it. And I'm like, who are these guys? And then I remember seeing the road warriors and, um, it was the road warriors versus, uh, Tully and Arn. And I was like, why aren't they calling them the brain busters? Like, I don't get this. Like, why, <laughs> like why doesn't this match up with what's over here? And then, like, my brother would try and explain it to me. I'm like, well, why can't they just wrestle together? Like, why can't we just have everybody together? And my brother's like, those are two different companies. Like, what don't you get? Like, he was just trying to talk to a little kid that, like, wouldn't understand these things. Um, but, yeah, I, I've i always had the wrestling bug. Like, I, like, vividly remember... Um, like I would go to my grandma's and that's where I would watch WCW. I, I, I couldn't comprehend that. Like I could watch WCW on my own TV at home. I would only watch it at my grandmother's. 
But without that, I would never have my obsession with Stone Cold Steve Austin like I did when I was a kid. Um, so and like I didn't know he was Stone Cold Steve Austin then either. For some reason, he was wrestling Ricky the Dragon Steamboat on Saturday night's main event. Yep. And he he was wearing the Dragon Slayer on his like tights and on his boots. And I would tell my mom for Christmas, my birthday, I'm like, I want the And like, I thought he had the coolest haircut. I was like, man, like, mom, can I get my hair like that? And then my mom was like, yeah, sure. We'll tell your aunt to cut your hair like that. I ended up just getting a bowl cut. It wasn't anything like Stone Cold's <laughs> hair then. So like, I, I can't even justify it. Um, but I always wanted that action figure. They never made that action figure, by the way. So like my mom was hunting for an action figure she was never going to find. Um, but she would always be like, Hey, if I, if I find it at the store, Santa Claus gets it, like you'll get it. And I thought Santa Claus just hated me cause I never <laughs> got it. Um, but they never made the toy. So that's why it was not in existence. So that's why I never got it. But, and then I had, the other thing was I had no clue that he was stone cold Steve Austin once he got there because I just knew him as dragon slayer guy. I didn't know his name. Like, cause I couldn't remember it cause I was young. I think I was like eight. So I just knew him, whatever was on his trunk. So I was like, Oh, the dragon slayer guy. And then years later I was watching a, a video and I'm like, Oh my God, he was in WCW. He's dragon slayer guy. I'm like, no wonder I like him so much now, but like little things like that, like from my childhood, like I, I, I also just like loved wrestling. Like I loved every character. I like I I was I was obsessed with it. Like I knew everything about everybody. Like I just really studied it and I always knew I kind of wanted to do it and like, you know, everybody in school was like, "Oh, go go talk to John. He's like the wrestling kid." Like if anybody had like cuz like when I was in like high school and elementary like that was when the big attitude era boom was happening. So like kids would start watching it and they would have questions and I would like be the like historian. I'd be like, Oh, well this guy did this with this guy. So that's why this guy is with that guy now. And like, I would be the guy that would like connect all the pieces for people that were like just starting to watch wrestling. So like it, you know, it, it's, it's always been my life, you know? Oh, it's, it's the school thing that gets me. Um, because I mean I'm I'm figuring out I'm a little older than you. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, I would I was at a community college in my hometown um, mm. during like uh, part of the Attitude Era. Yeah. So I would go and the internet was still new. Oh okay. So I would go online to find out who's jumping ship, who's going from Raw to Nitro, what's going to happen tonight, what's the taping, things, all of that. Just waste so much time on uh, you know the free internet at school. Yeah. And get everything from there. And then we would all plan whose house are we going to to watch stuff. And then trying to figure out, okay, well, can someone, okay, if we watch Raw, can someone tape Nitro at their house or reverse or whatever it is, just to try to watch all of it. And Monday mornings was always, okay, who has the tape of the pay-per-view? Do we have time to make copies? Oh, yeah. Like we, uh, like we weren't tape trading as far as you know making money off of it or going on message boards or or, you know uh the magazines or anything like that but we were pretty much tape trading on the school bus though like okay i got the pay-per-view i recorded it Uh, like i had a friend that had two or three vcrs hooked up at once that's awesome so it's all recording the same thing 
but then he had one and he could, you know, trade it or eventually make a little bit of money off of it and pretty much pay for, <laughs> you know, pay for the pay-per-view. We nice. also uh it just it's funny you mentioned and not realizing, you know, Stone Cold was the same Steve Austin you saw beforehand. Yeah. Uh we had no WCW for years. Um, actually until Nitro showed up on TNT because for some reason our cable system would not carry TBS. Really? Yeah, and I don't know why. For years. I was gonna say, aren't you technically like the NWA market? Because they used to go to Albany, right? They did. And I'm and I'm further over, like we're more of a New York market. I think what happened was because we're in New York market, we're also like a Yankee market. Mm. So I think part of it was TBS is all Braves stuff. When it wasn't wrestling, it was all the Atlanta Braves. Mm. And I kind of think that there was some dispute either with Turner or, you know, baseball or whatever. But they decided that they weren't going to carry TBS at least five years, maybe longer. So and that was like glory days of Clash of the Champions and WCW Saturday Night and all so much stuff that I missed out on that we would go to. uh, So back in the day, there were videotape places that you would go and rent them. Yeah. (laughs) But um, to be serious, we would go there and find any NWA or WCW stuff we could find just to try to watch something from them. Yeah, I, I forgot the enjoyment of going to Blockbuster and like hunting for like, because like I felt like the wrestling section at Blockbuster was like you got one of everything that was it. Like, and if someone had it out, you were screwed. I yeah. remember I used to like jump all the way over there. Like, if my mom took us on like a Friday or Thursday for like the movie night, like she was like, she would always say, like, Johnny, you get one wrestling tape. And that's it. Like, you know, I would like speed over there. And then she's like, she would always be like, and we're getting a movie and we're watching the movie. You can watch wrestling on your own time. But the movie we're watching tonight. And then I would like speed over to the wrestling section to see like what was left and what I haven't seen. Like, especially then, like for me, like they were they were just starting to come out with like those like they weren't biographies, but like they would have like the best of like stone cold but like then he would like do like an in character like kind mm-hmm. of biography um and i remember like getting i remember because like the plus side of blockbuster you didn't have to show your mom that there was a video with a man bleeding on the front with <laughs> so i would just come over with the tape and it like said ma on it and i remember i remember the blockbuster ladies like ma'am this is an MA uh, video. And my mom's like, it's wrestling. He watches it every night. He'll be fine. I promise. <laughs> Never forget that. Because the lady looked at my mom like, wow, okay, lady. And um, yeah, I, I snuck that. Because if she saw all that blood, I don't know. I don't know. She let me buy like magazine. Like I remember there was like one raw magazine and like Vader had his like eye gashed open on it. And mm-hmm. I still have it today. Um, and she let me get that. And like, uh, she was always really cool. And, and she would always say like, it's wrestling. She's like, if you ever get like, and that, that was the other thing. Like my mom always told me, she's like, if you, if I ever hear you getting in fights or anything like that, like you're done, like wrestling's done. So like, I, I always behaved. I knew that was like the rule. Like 
if I was going to, like, mess around in high school and, like, get in fights and stuff, like, it's going to ruin my wrestling. And, like, that that was what, if I got grounded, like, that was what they took away. They knew that was the only thing that would, like, actually hurt me. Like, they, you know, I they could be like, you can't play with your friends or whatever. And I'd be like, all right, fine, I'll just go in my room. And then they'd like, <laughs> be like, no, 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 no. Like, TV's coming out, too. Like, you're not watching Monday Night Raw tonight. I think I missed one Monday Night Raw when I was a kid, and it, I like cried because like I forget what like what happened to Stone Cold the week before, but like something like you knew he was gonna do something to get back at like Vince McMahon. So I was like, "Mom, I need I, like," and I was, and my dad grounded me, and he was like way tougher than my mom. My mom would like, "You're grounded," and then she'd be like, "You can watch Raw. Like, just go watch Raw. Leave me alone because like you're gonna be a <laughs> pest." So, but my dad was like. He finally gave in and he gave in like within the first half hour. So like I missed like I, I thank God, like during Raw, they would like recap because like yeah. I missed whatever he did in the beginning. And I think it was like a really big one, too, because like I know Shawn Michaels was involved and he was like the commissioner at that time. And I was really upset I missed that because like I loved like the old like heartbreak kid like character. And I was like, oh, shit, like I missed that. I had, for me growing up, kind of wrestling was safe. Like it said, you know, your mom let you rent, whatever. Yeah. I think my mom's like, you're watching wrestling with your doofy friends, whatever. There's a hundred yeah. other things as a parent I would have to worry about for you. Right. I don't have to worry about this at all. Go right ahead. Yeah. I think the only time I got in trouble, you mentioned the the blood on that Vader cover, which I have somewhere in this yeah. place, but I don't know where it is. Um, I left a raw magazine out on the kitchen table and I think it was like one of the bikini bathing suit issues. So it's like Tori Wilson in a bikini on the cover or whatever. And my mom's like, I can't believe you bought this filth. I go, what filth did I buy? She's like, it's a magazine with a half naked woman on it called raw. I'm not stupid. I go, it's raw. It's wrestling. Oh, sure. It is. I go, it's Monday night raw. Like you've, you've been in this house when this is on numerous times i open up the magazine i go there's stone cold there's the rock there's sean michael she's like oh like just absolutely defeated but probably kind of happy too yeah, that yeah, i wasn't fail, just leaving yeah. porn sitting out. that one <laughs> i i used to sneak those ones in like i would buy because we have like a turkey hill five minutes from my house so like you know i would use instead of like going with my mom because that was my thing if i went and help my mom at the grocery store. She would buy me, because, uh, like, they had the, wasn't it WWF Magazine and then the Raw Magazine? They too? had both, yep. Yeah, so, like, one week I would get the Raw Magazine, one week I'd get the WWF Magazine, but, like, when they'd have those, like, bikini ones, I'd be like, oh, crap. Like, I cannot go up to my mom and be like, buy this. And it, it was funny, because every time I would have to go to, like, a Turkey Hill near here and, like, sneak to get it, just because, like, there was obviously other stuff in there besides like the girls in bikinis. Like there was like, you know, like I want to know what the hell Stone Cold was doing or whatever was going on. What else was going on in that magazine? Um, but she would always ask me, she's like, don't you want a magazine? And I'd be like, this time I'd be like, nah, they, they, they <laughs> sold out. It's just the one that was here last time. And she's like, well, I thought there's two different ones. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's not there. I don't know. She never caught on, thank God. <laughs> well, and I mean, like, when that was happening, uh, you know, here I am a little bit older doing it, yeah. and I just 
whatever. It's it's a rest, it's a pretty girl on the cover. It doesn't yeah. really matter. Um, so I went ahead and did that. But a few years previous or your age, oh, not a chance yeah. in hell I could have done that. I would have been That's scared I mean. to death. Or yeah, I had to go sneak it. Then I it, had to go it, hidden in the hidden stash, you know. <laughs> it, and to be horrible for a moment, like I love women's wrestling. Yeah. Um, I'm absolutely a huge fan. Uh, I watched like the Shine pay per view a couple weeks ago. I try to follow it. I really it, enjoy it. There's just something different about women's wrestling that I really enjoy, and that's a lot of autographs and stuff that I get. And as much as I appreciate all that's been done in the last few years to make it more respectable, yeah. there is a part of me that misses when we got super hot photo shoot magazines, though, too. Yeah, I mean, um, I miss, I miss, sometimes I miss valets and managers. And I feel like that's like one of those art forms that's like gone from like the major promotions. Like you still have some, but like you don't have like, I don't know, the, the manager with the stable. I like, I love that. Like, like, do you remember like when like Sunny would have like, she was kind of following the tag title. Like yeah. she was with the Godwins and then she was with the smoking guns and the it was body like you dogs. Won. It was like, yeah, you, you won, won the her with the title. Like <laughs> it was, uh, it, I, I just missed that. Like I missed like having like managers. Like I feel like that. And that's why I always kind of like, like if I have an opportunity, like, uh, my co-host, uh, he produces my podcast, um, Alex Watt, like he'll manage me. I have a manager at the sanctuary, Billy Walker, cowboy, Billy Walker. Um, like I, I like to involve the manager and I, I feel like that's like one of those like lost art forms that happened in wrestling. Cause like they kind of got away from it and like, I don't feel like there's a lot of them out there right now, especially in the big companies. I feel like they're, it's kind of lost and I don't know why. No, when you have some people, um, like Paul Heyman's the only one in WWE, Right. And that's not really a manager. It's a different kind of character. I'd say Malcolm Bivens for NXT yeah. uh, with Diamond Mind does a great job. Uh, yes. AEW is really like, here's a veteran that's mentoring me, but that's not really a manager character. Yeah, I, I, I think they almost like need to like lean more into the manager concept of it. Like, like I miss like the like the costumes of like Jimmy Hart or like even the jacket Bobby Heenan would wear, like, like really like dive into it, you know, like, well, I feel like they're just kind of dressed up following whatever wrestler they're following. Like they aren't like making their own little personality out of it. It's just heat magnets too. Like you, yeah. um, especially from what I've seen in person so far, you have to portray a certain character. You have to portray a certain arrogance, Mm-hmm. You have to have a certain aura around you. You can't show your ass like a heel manager can. You can't right. be made the fool of because that would really damage your character. Yeah. It, and yeah, you might be able to get away with it, you know, once or twice or for certain events or yeah, a, a smarter crowd. But you do that too many times, you've lost all of that momentum. But you can have, like, that was one of the great things about Bobby Heenan. He can talk shit constantly yeah but he'd get his comeuppance and still not lose any heat yeah like it was just brilliant and and as a kid you don't realize that look you watch bobby heaton as an adult and you're like he's the greatest star on the whole show Uh he's amazing yeah 
Like, he like he would take bumps like better than half the wrestlers. Like oh jeez, some his scary bump, ones too. Yeah, but his bump in the corner, oh my god! Like he did that better than Flair did that. I don't care what anybody says. No, and how how do you get to be that age and still have your bump card? Oh, with, with as much as he did, you know. I I'm really upset. They they say there's like they're like to see him when he was like young and actually wrestling like. They said he bumped just as good back then. And it's like, I wish they had that on, like, tape or anything. Like, YouTube, like, wherever. I would love to watch that. And, I mean, sometimes you can dig for it, but the footage and the quality yeah, and stuff. Yeah, so like, grainy. Can't, yeah, can't someone go and clean this up and do something yeah. with it? Yeah. And, and we know WWE won't, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> yeah. All right, so... Big fan growing up, really getting into it. When did you decide, hey, I wonder if I could do this too? Um, so it all, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I started out in a backyard. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I was on the wrestling team in college. Um, and the one kid that was on the wrestling team, he was also on the track team, which I was also on. Uh, I one day wore a Brock Lesnar, like, off-the-hook pain t-shirt to uh, amateur wrestling practice. And my coach laid into me that day. Like, <laughs> I had to run. I had to wrestle the entire team. Like, oh, like, I got punished. It, so that, I mean, Brock, yeah. was a, Brock was a college wrestler, though. Like, that's a legit shirt. It didn't matter. And that's what I thought. That's what I thought. And, you know, he lit me up with the, you know, coming in here with your Undertaker bull crap. And what are we going to do? Tombstones and have chairs in here? And I'm like, uh, uh, maybe. I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, so he was, I, I was in the gym and he was like, hey, you like wrestling, right? And I'm like, huh, you, you were at the same practice I was. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, uh, and he's like, you know, did you ever think about wrestling? And I'm like, um, no, like, I, I, I wouldn't know how to get into it. Why do you know someone that can get me into it? Because I'll stop amateur wrestling right now. Because, um, like, I enjoyed amateur wrestling. I honestly did. But, like, if somebody was like, hey this is how you do pro wrestling. I'd be like, all right, buy amateur wrestling. Like I would immediately would jump. It's like, that's what I've always wanted to do. Um, so he's like, well, we do it in the backyard. And I don't remember, I don't know if you remember, but like when backyard wrestling first came out, it was, you know, like jumping off of, you know, houses on the tables yeah. and the light bulbs and chairs over the heads. And I looked at him and I'm like, uh, huh. And I'm like, and you do this in your backyard? And he goes, yeah. And I'm like, all right, well, here, pal. I'm like, I'll come watch you guys once. Because I didn't want to be a jerk to him. Because I didn't yeah. want, like, immediately in my head, I'm like, huh, I'm not getting light tubes and chairs and all this crap. And, like, then, like, coming home and being like, oh, where were you? And, you know, because, like, I'm still, like, I'm I'm out of my parents' house, but, like, you know, like when they see me all sharded up from getting gigged and God knows what in a backyard, I'm like, no, um, I didn't want to have to explain that. So I 
uh, I told him I'd come see a show. Went to the show. They have a full ring. They had a stage. No light tubes. Like they had like storylines and stuff. And I'm like, okay. And that's where I actually met my tag team partner, Mike Mitchell. Um, so I stayed after the show, and like there, like that night, like it was literally just like me and my friends that I brought. So, like, they all, like, let us, like, jump in the ring after and all that. And then the kid that asked me was, like, hey, so do you want to do this? And I'm, like, oh, yeah, dude, I'd love to do this. I've been wanting to do this my entire life. Like, of course. I was, like, I'll be here next week. <laughs> so <laughs> then that's that's where it started. So then uh, our little backyard wrestling federation um got so big that the pennsylvania state athletic commission showed up in this kid's backyard because we were getting 200 to like 250 people in his backyard and like mind you we're not like advertising this is all just word of mouth so yeah they showed up and shut us down and threatened to sue him um and because we weren't like like we didn't like in the state of pennsylvania you need a doctor uh you you have to pay for a license we didn't have a license we were all and like he was thinking about getting a license at one point and i'm like and i was like hey man how about this how about we like find a school and we'll all get trained and then you know you want to do licensing and all that we'll do that down the road but like we're we're all we all have proven that we can draw a crowd even if it is just all our friends like people came to see us so that's like accomplishment one i'm like i don't want you to get sued so like because he was a good friend helped me out later in life um so i i said i'm like i i think i'm gonna do this for real and he was at the point where they said they were gonna sue him so like he wasn't gonna run again ever so then i messaged my friend mike mitchell i'm like hey man like i don't want to stop this like I have the bug now. Like, what do you say we find a school and actually learn how to do this the right way and like get on like shows? And I just so happened to Google wrestling schools near Scranton, and there was a school in Scranton. So that's where I found Backbreakers, uh, Backbreakers Training Center that was in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And like, it blew my mind because I'm like, how could there be a training center in Scranton and I not known about it? Yeah. So, um, cause it was there or Allentown, which is like an hour from me. So we went to backbreakers, um, first day, like, and like we watched all, you know, shoot interviews. Cause like that was popular at the time. And we're like, all right, we're not giving him any money. We're just going to like tell him <laughs> like, like we had this whole game plan. We were like poker faced. We were like, yeah we'll come back next week um what's the minimum we could pay a week because like we didn't want to pay them in full because we like you hear all these like carny stories of like you pay up front and then he disappears like i think it was magnum ta or something paid like buzz sawyer for training and like paid him in full next day showed up for training gone like moved his house everything just gone like that was the money he needed to, you know, move away. And that was everything Magnum TA had. And he just gave it to him and he left him. So like I had that in my head. 
And I'm like, all right, well, I'm not getting screwed here. So like whatever the minimum we could pay a week. And if it takes us, you know, four years to pay this off, we'll pay it off in four years. Then eventually, obviously, like we stuck it out and we trusted them and we paid them the rest of the money and then we graduated. But that's the long story of exactly how I got there. I actually never have told that story on a podcast, <laughs> like especially the backyard part, because like a lot of people don't talk about the backyard on podcasts. But like I'm at a point in my career now where I'm like, you know, I'm just going to be honest and like tell the true story of how I got here. Because like and like when I first broke in, like in 2015, it was still like, oh, you started in the backyard. And I'm like, and I would look at all these people because I'd be like, so did you like tell me you didn't wrestle with your friend in the backyard. I mean, I wrestled with my little brother and I knew if I heard him. I'm losing raw and I'm losing everything, but like you still did it as a kid. Like, so like everybody I think starts by, you know, just messing around like with a sibling or a friend in like the living room and then it evolves into a backyard or something. Yeah. Because backyard wrestling has that stigma and that name. And there were, there were the videotape series there mm-hmm. and yep. people that was got popular. in. Yep. And people got in their mind that when you hear backyard wrestling, it's, Oh, we're going to just do this crazy fall in front of our friends, but there's no actual match. We're just being absolutely absurd with what we're going to do to our bodies here to make our friends pop. But it's not actually let's wrestle a match. Let's have Mm -hmm. a ring. Let's tell a story. Yeah. And those are different things. You're absolutely right. Everyone wrestles with their friends or goofs around or, or, you know, um, you know, uh, whether it's locker room screwing around or at home or whatever. Technically, that's all backyard. Yep. Yep. I I used to wrestle my little brother in my basement. I was uh, the franchise Johnny Moran, and he was Davey Funk. Because like, <laughs> he liked Terry Funk. Um, and we were, like, big in the ECW at the time. But, like, you know, like, everybody... I, I personally think everybody starts out like that. Or, like, that's where the little bug happens. And then, you know... You're Googling, like, where the hell's a wrestling school? Like, how we, how do we get in there? Now, do you think that the time that you were doing amateur wrestling helped you when you got into pro wrestling? Uh, it definitely helped me learn how to protect myself. Because, you know, I've, I've had a situation where someone, you know, I was in the ring with and they tried to take liberties with me. And I was like, no, no, sir. Like, I, I may look like the quintessential just pretty guy that won't mess you up but if you test me in this ring it's not going to turn out well for you no it was uh no never mind (laughs) (laughs) i i saw myself painting into a corner there um (laughs) but as much as you said like you know as soon as you got the opportunity to actually wrestle the amateur went aside i gotta imagine though that just for control of your body and everything it gave you a a leg up on anyone coming in completely fresh oh yeah no 100 percent um and like i i used a lot of it like in my earlier career because that that was like kind of my crutch because like all right like there's a lot of people that can do flips and stuff and i don't really do that so i'm like well i can be more technical like you know and now now i'm at like an evolution of my career of like more of the showmanship of it like the more of getting the persona over and you know the attitude over of how i'm feeling and making you feel that 
Like that's my ultimate goal out there is to make, you know, either the crowd hate me or like them be like, Oh God, he's such a jerk. Like, or if I'm the baby face, get behind me. Um, like, you know, like the early years, all you're worrying about is like, let's get to the next spot. Like what's the next spot that we have to get to? Like, but yeah, I, I always had the balance and stuff. Cause like I didn't like, I finished my four years of amateur wrestling in college, but, um, as soon as I graduated college that it, it kind of was just perfect timing. Cause like that I was doing that backyard wrestling stuff during the summer. So I was still running like, you know, like eight miles a day for amateur wrestling. Um, to stay in shape and then i would be wrestling on you know we we only did because it was backyard so we and we live in the northeast so you have from somewhere in may to somewhere in september and like that was our season and then like when we graduated college the season was like um pretty much done so that's where i had to start like looking for school and stuff You mentioned using the amateur, and and you said it's as a crutch. But yeah. for starting out, though, how what is the process of whether you're seeing what other people on the show do, or other people maybe traveling in the same circles, making the same towns? As you're new, or or even if it continues now, as you're more experienced, is there a part where you sit down and say? what can I do and what can't I do? Um, as we mentioned, watching tapes and all, one of the things that has always stuck with me, uh, Paul Heyman, you ask mm. about people failing outside of ECW. Public Enemy is a good example. Mm. And he'll say, when I was booking, I hid the negatives and accentuated the positives. And I knew yeah. what those negatives and positives were. So you never saw the negatives until they were somewhere where I wasn't controlling it. You know, the narrative. Right. right. So when you were starting out, then was it a conscious decision of, okay, what can I do? Let me do more of that. What can't I do? Let me try to not have that even take place in the match. So no one knows I can't do it or I'm, it's not really my forte or did it evolve? Was it a learning process of, oh, I shouldn't do that again, but this guy reaction, let me do that again. Like how, how conscious was it and how much was it just learning in the moment? Um, so, you know, I had friends that were in, like, I, I'm very sociable. Like, I, I just talk, like, I talk to people all the time in the back. So, like, any veteran that was there, I would always be like, hey, could you watch my match? Like, you've been doing this a long time. So, like, would you mind giving an ice ski on my match? And, like, I did that everywhere I went before like podcast told you to do that. Like, <laughs> like I just kind of did that. Like if there was a name on the card I was on, I would, you know, come over and be like, Hey, my name is John. Um, I match four. If you're possibly free, could you possibly watch it? Um, my third match, Ken Anderson literally watched my entire match and gave me fantastic feedback. And, oh, wow. Yeah. Like just, like he picked apart little things I was doing and I was just like, man, I never even thought about that. He's like, yeah. He's like, he's like, it's your third match. Why would you? I'm like, oh. <laughs> well, yeah. 
Um, but like, yeah, like, yeah, I just, I was fortunate enough to be around the right people and I'm OCD and I study myself. So like when I get home, I watch my match over and I'm like, I, I didn't like that. What are you doing there? Sucking your gut here. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like I literally down to my facials, like, I'll be like, Ugh, that was a bad sell. Like I, I literally break myself down, um, after a match. So I've 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 done that since my first match. Like any match I've had on video, I've watched back and tore it apart. Well, and and you mentioned it's only a third match. You know how much of this are you really going to notice? Yeah. But I think is there stuff that you felt you knew as a fan and were either right or wrong about? Like there there's stuff. Uh, just for an example. There's stuff I'll see, say a multi-man match or or a battle mm. royal or something like that. It's interesting to see who never forgets there are cameras. So even mm. if they're not in the match, in the ring, they're on the outside, they're waiting for a tag, you know, they're on the outside recovering, whatever it might be, they are in the moment, in the character, no matter what. So if a camera's on them, if an audience on them, if something cuts to them, they're not caught blank. They're mm-hmm. already in there being part of the show. I'm like, geez, they never forgot they're out there the entire time. They never forgot they're in front of a crowd, weren't taking the break, weren't doing whatever. But then you also see, because I watch a lot of indie wrestling um, on, on different services and on YouTube and stuff like that and all. Sometimes you see someone brand new that you mentioned earlier about calling spots where you know they're just waiting for it, and you can see that blank look deer in headlights of, I know I have to do this spot, and I don't know how to get there. Mm-hmm. And I see some of that as a fan. I have never stepped in the ring. I have huge respect for you and anyone else who has. I just was never athletically coordinated enough to do that. So I'm I'm certainly not like, you know, Monday morning quarterback you know, breaking it apart, thinking I know what I'm talking about, but I'm just curious, you being a fan first and getting into it, was there stuff that you think that you um, caught on to because you remember seeing it or studying it, or it was just in your subconscious from watching so much? And on the flip side, was there stuff where you're like, oh, I couldn't have been more wrong about this? <laughs> um, well, I, well, I can't get away with that. No, okay. no, no. I mean, like, yeah. yeah. I don't want to give within away a reason here. Secret. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, there, there's one like there's there's things you learn that like you're like, wait, what? The whole time, this has been going on, and like, yeah. Um, and that's the way that works. And I'm like, oh, okay. But like, as far as um, you know, like calling it out there, my first. My first year, I didn't call a damn thing. I was just the, I, you were, you were leading me. Like, I literally just listened. I never, cause like, I listened to Stone Cold's podcast, obviously. And he would call, not call out, but he would say, I'm seeing you guys call. Like, watch your calls. Because like, he saw them vocalizing to each other. Like, hey, look, duck this or whatever it was. So I was petrified to call things in the ring because I didn't want people to see me calling it. And then, like, you have to learn how to do that. So I was 
fortunate enough to um i was three months in to wrestling and i had a wwe extra work opportunity was not ready for that was not prepared for that i was lucky enough to meet this guy named mick drake he's on the indie scenes he's all over the place um he knew my tag partner mike mitchell and he was like hey mike told me you're really really green just stick with me today he literally walked me through our like you you when you're at like wwe tv like um before smackdown which was in wilkesbury that's 20 minutes from my house like where i went to see smackdown as a kid um you do your like they call it a tryout match you do that so that to see if if they use anyone on the show who they're going to use and he literally guided me through a match and he was calling it all in the ring with me and i was just listening and doing whatever he said like if he was like arm drag and i don't normally throw an arm drag i'm throwing an arm drag because he told me to throw an arm drag because i was just listening and he was like dude you and like when we got out of the ring he's like dude you you listen really well i'm like i'm this is my third month in the business. He's like, how many matches have you had? And I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, not many. I'm like, I, like five, six. I was like, this is me and you in there is my first singles match. Cause I was in a tag team. So I didn't even know how to work a full like singles match. So he was like, what? And he's like, okay. He's like, Hey, I train at this place called old time wrestling. And it's called OTW. And he's like, when you get there, they're going to give you the finish. You're not allowed to talk to your opponent. You have to go out in the ring and you talk it out, out in the ring in front of the fans. Like you just go out there and call it. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, that's terrifying. He's like, what happens in a match when everything goes wrong and you don't know what to do? He's like, are you going to wait for the other person to lead you? Or are you going to lead? And I'm like, Oh, I don't know. I never even thought about that. And he's like, because it hasn't happened yet. I was like, and then he goes, but when it does happen, do you want to be prepared or you just want to, you know, let it, let, you know, fate have its hand with you. And I'm like, all right, I'll be there. When can I get there? He's like, let me talk to the guys and I'll see if I can get you in. So he messaged me like the next week. And then like, I just went there as much as I possibly could. They had these, they were called two o'clock shows. And they were every single Saturday. So I would try and get myself booked in Jersey so that like I would go there for two o'clock and then go to a night show in Jersey. But like the two o'clock show is so important to me because like I learned how to work just off a of finish. Like here's your finish. Now go out in the ring and figure out a match. You have eight minutes. And then like the good thing there, like the ref would keep the time for you. A lot of guys came out of that place. Um, Adam Chandler, Brian Johnson, that's on Ring of Honor now. Um, Mick Drake, he's all over the place. Ilya Baratz, his new name now is Trax. Um, he wrestles for like WrestlePro and he travels the world too. Um, but like all those guys, like they like took me under their wing and like helped me out so much because like just having matches on the fly like that, it's it's really like that's like a real art form there because like it's i'm not saying it's easy to call your match and then go out there and do it because like you forget things but going out there and just working with someone and like you know you never met this person before in your life and you're literally out there like you just have to trust them 
and you know and be able to call a match like so it 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 was a great experience for me and that's like one of the things i uh, was like petrified of doing but i put myself in the situation and just did it well and there's certain people that you see like yourself where Mm -hmm. it's a zen thing it's almost like water flowing Mm -hmm. when two people just click and get each other and know what's going on in the ring and you know as much as you say call it out there i've seen matches where i'm like they barely called anything they just kind of knew what each other was thinking or you what they're going for him calling it or that too yeah. <laughs> keeping the magic that, in there that's that's the uh that's the technique not getting caught calling your stuff and like doing it at the right times and i also yeah. like talk a lot of trash while i'm doing it and i call stuff so it, it throws people off sometimes because i'll i'll be like you're a piece of trash da, 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 and then i'll be like duck my arm and then they'll be like what because like that was another thing i you know i just picked up upon the way like you know like people aren't vocal sometimes in the ring and it's just like if you're not gonna be vocal like what the hell are we doing out here so like i'll overcompensate for you i'll if you let me talk i'll talk like unless you hit me like i'm not shutting up well for for calling in for having those moments and that connection though and this is not a knock on anyone you don't mention Mm. it's just you know who's on the upper echelon who is like a night off for you oh man uh adam chandler mick drake uh mike mitchell john west hollow wicked now this is really weird too because here there's there's a couple people that i've just uh hollow wicked like sometimes like it takes like a match or two to get your comfortability with people hollow wicked i called a match probably within he literally came straight from chikara we probably had eight minutes to call the match we had to call a 15 minute match and we called it once and then we just went out there and like we just clicked but everybody laughed when i got in the back because like because uh, like i'm like and like i prepared for this match because i'm like it's hollow wicked he's like first generation chikara like this is a big goddamn deal so like my cardio was through the roof. I was like ready to go. And like all I wanted for like when we got through the back was him to just say like, you're good kid. And like when we got through the back, he's like, man, I have nothing. That was a good match. I'm like, fuck yeah. Like I was just like so <laughs> amped up. I was like, yeah. And then uh, like I I was teaming with Green Ant at the time. So Green Ant comes over and he sees how like happy I am. And he goes, you know, the true test is to have a bad match with Hollow Wicked. I'm like, you know, man, like, my balloon was nice and high, and you just had to come over and put a needle in it, didn't you? And he's like, yeah, man. He was like, you were on too much of a high horse. You were just smiles over here, and I knew why you were smiling. And I'm like, yeah, get out of here. Um, another guy I wrestled at NYCW, Bobby Ocean. Never, like, we always, like, would be in the same locker room. And we just clicked, man. Like, when we were out there, we just clicked. And we were, a lot of it, we just called out in that ring. And it was fun. And he was the night off. I've only worked him once. I've only worked Hollow Wicked once. Uh, Mike Skyros, he's a night off. Um, he's fun to work with. Uh, Isis Effects. Like, a lot of 
a lot of people I surround myself with, I notice, like, I just love having matches with my friends. Uh, Killian McMurphy, even though he's stiff as hell. Um, <laughs> uh, like, he, he's a night off. Um, Jamie Senegal. Um, we, we, we just had a great match at the Sanctuary. Um, there's, there's a guy at the Sanctuary. His name is Marcy Cabrera. Um, I had a, I've had multiple fantastic matches with him and it's kind of funny cause like our characters are like almost brothers. Cause we both like, after I trained it, after I was done, tra- finished training at backbreakers, I went to the sanctuary to train and I was trained by John Trotsky. And, um, it was at the time it was just me, but like, he also trained Marcy. So like Marcy would, uh, randomly come down and train with me and like, uh we were always kind of like john's son so like now that's playing out in the story this year and i'm like the evil son that came back and marcy like the angel son that was like kicked out and like it's just weird and then like i don't know it's it's hard to explain like sanctuary is like my art like when i go there i i think like i'm painting like it's so much more of like a movie to me there like it's very cinematic um they have like all the lights and stuff um, I had a match with ACHC Loke and we just like, and I was hurt going into it and like, it kind of flared up during the match and like, he took such care of me and like, I can't thank that guy enough. Like, he's such a good guy and it, me and him just like flowed and like, it like when I told him, I'm like, Hey, we got to go home. I got, it, it's flaring up right now. And he just was like, okay, we're going home. And like it was just magic and like even like the ending of that like it was just magic like it's some people you just click with and some people you don't quit click with like there's people i'm friends with that i just don't click with and it sucks but it sometimes happens because like it i don't know but like a lot of a lot of people i'm friends with like i click and mesh very well with well i mean even I'm saying this half jokingly, but Mm. it could even be like dating life of like, Hey, we both like each other, but we're just not meant for each other. It's nothing Mm -hmm. against you. It's nothing against me. You know, we're not bad people or anything. It's just like, for some reason, this just isn't happening. Yeah. No, no, I completely agree with that. It's, it's weird. Like when you have a good match with someone, like you have a bond forever. It's like, you almost like went through a war together. Well, and you also said um, bringing up like this is a more, you know, this is like painting for you. This is your art. Mm -hmm. And growing up, I always knew as just a wrestling fan, the difference in how wrestling is treated in America versus Canada versus Japan versus Mexico, Mm -hmm. you know, just treated completely different, even though it's all wrestling. But as I get older and watch more and more and go to more and more shows, it's crazy how every indie has their own feel to them, their own crowd, their own style, their own atmosphere, um, especially when, when they're in whatever their home building is, too. Like, you yeah. can go to one show and act a completely different way as a fan, I assume as a wrestler as well, and then go to another show just on the road, practically, and it's a totally different atmosphere. It, even though it might be the same fans and the same wrestlers, it just has different feels to it i don't know if it's you know depending on who runs it or what already took place in it 
Um, Or or Um, maybe people like you, how you go in and and treat it. Like you said, like, okay, this is where I wrestle like this style. Yeah. No, uh, another place, uh, Titan Championship Wrestling. Um, Steve Mack and me have like this program that we've been doing for going or Monster Mac, whatever, whatever people call him. Um, it's Steve Monster Mac. I, I just call him Steve or Mac. Um, but he's another one like, man, when we get in there together, like we just mesh so well. And like, I've never had a vet or a veteran like look out for me like he did. Like he, um, like from the get, like the, uh, the promoters like kind of wanted me and him to have this program. And like he knows where it's going and everything, and he he always tells me he's like this program is my baby, and like I need you taken care of, and like no no veteran has ever like taken care of me like he has. Like when we have matches, like he just like makes sure like we have like tag we had a tag match where like he really didn't want me to touch him until like the very end, and like he made sure like I got in stuff on the other guy, and like sometimes like you just you just create magic with people and like when you know the promotions believing in you and like everything's behind you and it's weird because i'm a face there and like pretty much everywhere else i'm a heel um so that's like a different dynamic but we had this magic moment and um like the last show we just we finally um had a match one-on-one and uh like i chucked him with my finish i hit him with the widow maker and like he rolled out of the ring and he got counted out and uh he's like man you gotta say something powerful on this mic and i'm like he's like i'm gonna i'm gonna like drag you down and be like you lost like you couldn't pin me kid like you know it's you're never getting this heavyweight title like you know you know i may have laid down for 10 seconds but you didn't pin me like this is still mine like you'll never have this and now that you won, that's great, but, you know, you're not getting another shot. The match is over. And uh, he's like, you need to say something powerful. He's like, it's like, you got to curse. And I'm like, oh, man, like, dude, like, I don't, I don't know if, like, I'm a baby face. Like, I can't curse. And I was like, if I was a heel, I wouldn't care. Like, I'd be fine with it. And then, like, he, he like, looked at the promoter. He's like, yo, can Moran curse? And the promoter's like, He's baby face. And I'm like, if I, I don't know if I could do this. Like, even the promoter's saying. And then, and then Steve's like, just trust me. He's like, call me a bitch. Call me a bitch. Just say bitch. You're a bitch. Just say bitch, please. And I'm like, all right, Steve, I'm going to trust you. And I say it. And I pause. And then the whole crowd that was there just starts chanting it at him. And like, I mean, I didn't tell you this about me, but uh, I love live concerts. And my favorite thing to see in a live concert, and I can't sing at all. I have a horrible voice, um, is seeing like the crowd sing back the song to the uh, singer on stage. Like I always said, like even as a little kid, I'm like, man, that's got to feel insane. Like, they're saying the words he put out there back to him. And then I had that moment in the ring where the fans said what I said out there. I was like, shit, I can't get this back. Like, this is awesome. Like, 
that like that moment that'll be in my head forever i literally told them as soon as like we did the match i'm like yo somebody gets me this footage like please like i need this footage like i need that like i just i love that interaction and like it yeah like wrestling i look at is like art like your performance like i i love a great performance well i think it also uh, you mentioned it and, and comparing it to musicians as well yeah i think it shows the addiction of performing though too like, oh, yeah. I want to feel that again. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, it's one thing to have people change, like, your name and stuff. But, like, for you to just drop it. Like, I, I can't even imagine how, like, The Rock or Stone Cold felt. Like, when they would do, like, you know, finally The Rock has come back. And, like, everybody's saying along with him. Or, like, when Stone Cold would do the what. or Because Stone Cold said so. And people are, like, literally saying it back to them, like. I always look to try and get that tagline to just like get people that like it's tough because like at indie companies you don't really get to do promos out in the ring but when you have that opportunity like oh like I was hesitant at first I'm not gonna lie to you with especially cursing I was like I don't know if I want to say this on a microphone as a baby face because I thought it was gonna like turn I thought it was gonna turn me that's what I thought and it didn't. And I was like, oh, man, that works so well. Like, and that's why, like, Steve, like, I haven't told this to Steve yet, but, like, I, one, once the program's over, like, I, I literally have to give him a big old hug and, like, thank him so much. Because, like, he literally, like, this program literally is his baby. And he, he has told me that multiple times. And, like, he's like, I'm trying to make you kids. So, like, please do what I ask you to do. And, like, I, I have, you know. Well, it's... It's a touch of immortality in a way. Um, I was I was in Toronto. I was at WrestleMania for Hogan versus Rock. Oh wow! And like I've never felt a moment like that. Like you could yeah. just feel it, the just wave of emotion and all the people and everything. It was unreal. Um, you know, you mentioned for live music as well. Um, my favorite band right now is ghost and i love i i love the performance of it and seeing them live i'm like this dude could start a cult right now if he wanted to and everyone would just join along with it but i know for indie stuff like i was a diehard uh 2cw fan back in the day when they were running constantly Mm. and I, i i won't tip off but I'll say I was debating whether or not to go to a show. I'm like, God, oh, geez, I'm going to have to take a day off work. I'm going to have to travel. I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to have to do that. It's a pain in the ass. I don't really know. I'm going to have to get general admission seats. Like, I was just debating it, debating it. Yeah. One of my friends who was already in town going to show go- said, if something happens tonight, you're going to be mad you weren't there. I said, you're right. <laughs> so it was... uh because I grew up in Watertown, New York, where they did a lot of shows. And also from Watertown was a wrestler named Jay Freddy. And I, yep. And I got to see him beat slick Wagner Brown for their title. And everyone just erupted. We're in the same town that he grew up in. It's all of his family. It's all of his friends. It's people like me that have been fans for years and everything. Seeing this moment we didn't think was going to happen, happen. And I was like, how do you come down from that? Yeah. Like, how do you how do you do anything? But 
I will remember being there for the rest of my life. Whatever happens with his career, I will remember seeing that as a fan. And like, I was there the night he won. That's awesome. And that was just for us there. As I continue with New York Championship Wrestling and, and other promotions and federations in the area, I will have those moments again that maybe a promoter, maybe a wrestler, maybe even another fan says, oh, there's only, you know, like a few hundred people here. I don't care. All the more special. I have that bond with those people there that evening that we saw something. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, that's so cool to me. So I I have to ask though, mm-hmm. I got to imagine it's a shot like probably up 81 and then maybe across 90. Mm-hmm. It's about but, two and a half hours to yep. two hours, yep. 45 minutes to uh, New York championship for me. But when first contacted, because this area, the last time anything of note happened in this area was Woodstock 99. And we don't really talk about that. Yeah, I know. I watched <laughs> that documentary. Whoa. Yeah. I, I mean, like, if I I could probably, if I got on my roof, I could see the lights for that airplane hangar. Oh, wow. You know, the runway. Like, that's how close I am to it. Oh, wow. Um. But when first contacted, hey, three years ago, here's, you know, New York Championship Wrestling. We're going to do shows out of Whitesboro, New York. Did you say who and what? <laughs> I actually reached out to them. Well, Ooh. yeah, um, I reached out to Mike Skyros, um, which, again, close personal friend. Like, anytime he's up this way, he stays on my couch. Um so I reached out to him and I'm like, Hey man, do you have a show on X day? And he's like, uh, yeah. He's like New York championship wrestling. He's like, you'd be actually a perfect fit there. And I'm like, all right. I'm like, who's the booker. And then he said, Johnny patches. So then I hit up Johnny patches and, um, Johnny was very nice to me. Like I, you know, I didn't, second guess it like i was just like all right like in my head i'm like all right that's an and this is how i look at my bookings i'm like all right well this is an upstate new york booking so like i try not to do too many shows in one area and then like you know i i had a jersey promotion that i have a pa promotion and you know i try to get a connecticut promotion try and find a mass promotion try and find a rhode island promotion because it's independent wrestling and like you have to get your name out there you have to go all over the place so like hearing that it's that far away like that that didn't affect me i was just i was looking at like am i already in that market will they will they know me and i'm like i mean they saw me at dynasty a couple times they've seen me at immortal like i more or less think like hey like what's my what's my chance of people knowing me when i walk in and if they don't, even better, because that means that's a new market I'm in. And that's 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 how I look at, like, how I map out my bookings. Like, when I went to L.A., like, I'm like, no one's going to know me here. So, like, I have to, like, in my first couple things I do or whatever I do, my entrance, my everything, like, I have to explain my character. I have to get my character over before I do anything because they don't know me. But. And I, I, I remember I was supposed to wrestle Tyler Vincent and I ended up wrestling Vinnie Moon, but we had an awesome match and I never met him. 
before that either. It's for me, and and I mentioned before, and I, I've mentioned it to various people, especially this last show. Taking my son, um, I finally got to meet Johnny Patches on my own. Yeah, you know, brief talk, but very nice. I thought, and you could just see like the love and the passion and the excitement for it in his eyes as he was going around. Yeah, and then uh, she didn't say exactly. All that I know is there is a woman there that tapped me on the shoulder and said, I am enjoying seeing how much your son is enjoying this. My son started this to give something in this area and something for families to do and some sort of entertainment for this area. And it thrills me to see you and your son here for it. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And, Oh my God, was so sweet and so. And my my kid didn't even have a clue this conversation was going on because he was so worried about what's happening in the ring. Right. (laughs) But I do think like this area is never going to get a pro sports team. You know, we got a minor league hockey team that does very well and has a rabid fan base. But that's about it. And we do get, you know, um, smaller concerts, but we're never going to get a bigger concert either. But I look at something like New York Championship Wrestling and wrestlers like you coming for them like this is, I think, the biggest secret in this area and more people need to know about it. Yeah, no, I completely agree. So thank you for helping out by just giving me this time in your podcast, even. Yeah, like everything, even, I, you know, because I, I watched your video and all, I thought, how the hell is he going to do a casket match? Oh, well, that was the first time, so. Dude, you and HBO did amazing. It oh, was thank you. so thank you. good. I asked my thank kid, because we were on the far side. We were like, um, where the main entrance is, we were the furthest side away from, you know, where you guys walked out. And so I see where the casket is set up. I said to my kid, I'm like, do you want to move? There's, see, there's space move? over there. We could get over there so we can actually see the casket more. And he's like, no, I'm comfortable here. I said, okay. But where we were with the level of the ring and the level of either of you going in it, you could see one, either one of you throughout the match getting a leg up or an arm up or something at the last moment. God, oh, the tension building was fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Cause that's what we worried about. We're like, we're building that. We, like it was both of our first cat. I was supposed to the, when NYCW came back, I was supposed to, be in a casket match but then uh, the promotion i was at the casket actually ended up um having to be used for a few of them um they oh, the, yeah yeah the promotion i worked for like they normally um he, the promoter has a friend that's a mortician so he lets them use a casket that like he never sells and then somehow like someone wanted that casket this time <laughs> So, like, he's had multiple casket masters with this casket that someone is buried in now. Um, <laughs> gave away that secret. Um, but, yeah, like, and I, that's what I was going to use if I ever had another casket match. But that casket match never happened. So I'm like, oh, man, I never got my casket match. And then Patches messaged me and was like, hey, uh, Cage isn't going to come in. Cage didn't yeah, I- come in. So. I, uh, I heard that story too. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's like, but I have a casket. And I'm like, 
all right, awesome. Let's do that. I'm fine with it. And um, yeah, that was the first revolt of us. So like, I knew that like, and that we both agreed like the tension is like the building is like getting into the casket and then the stops and like the legs out and stuff like that. So like, those are the moments. Like a lot of people think like the moves are like the big things. It's it's really like about the moments in your match and like how you build to those moments. So I appreciate you saying that. Thank you because. You know, we were wondering afterwards, like, how was it? What'd you think? I don't know. I was like, I don't know. Oh, I mean, I, I really like, okay. I'm saying this as a fan. I am not asking you to say anything here. I'm just giving a fan perspective. Having the heel champion makes more sense and makes more money. And as a wrestling fan for a long time, I get that. Yeah, seeing my kid and seeing other people there just wanting you to lose the title so bad. I'm like, oh, my God, you you can't lose it because there's so much more money to be made here. (laughs) There's so many more shows. I was like, this is amazing. People want you to lose so bad. And that's where you got all those moments in the casket match. I'm like, it's not over yet. It's not over yet. Oh, my God, they're milking this. This is fantastic. Yeah, um, I thought you was, both did amazing for it. Uh, thank you. Um, those kids at the end when I was posing on the, the oh, top rope, and I know, like they literally wanted to beat the hell out of Bougie. Like they wanted to kill him. The one kid kept saying, "Like, come over near the barricade. Come over here. Yep. Stand right here." And like we got in the back, and Bougie was like, he looked at me, and he's like, he's like, "Yo, they wanted to murder me," and I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they did." That means he did his job well, yeah. though. <laughs> like, yeah. it was fantastic. Yeah. No, he's, I... He's, he's one to watch out for, definitely. Like, he's he's very young, and, like, he, he's someone I saw potential in, because I, I met him at the sanctuary, and I didn't I didn't know him from anyone. And um, he just came in, and he, like, he had this really good match, but, like, you know, sometimes I get lost with just having like, you know, like you can do a lot of really cool moves. So I was like, that's great. He's another kid that can do a bunch of really cool moves. And then I didn't think anything of him. And then he was just he was making fun of someone in the back. Like just it was one of his friends. So he was like busting him. And I'm like, why don't you do that out there? And then he goes, what do you mean? I'm like, don't shut up, bougie. Like. You just tore him apart, and I was dying laughing. And I was like, but you can do that as a bad guy, and they'll hate you. I was like, so do your cool moves that you do, and then talk shit the whole time. And, like, if you noticed, he immediately put a promo out, and I, I like, messaged him. I'm like, I'm so proud of you. Because, like, he didn't do, like, a ton, ton of promos, but, like, I put it in his ear. I'm like, dude, you're so good on the mic. Don't stop talking. Just keep talking. The whole time you're out there, be talking. I'm like, when you're doing cool stuff, keep talking. Just keep talking. And it's it's really starting to click for him. And I really think he's going to go really, really far in this business. Well, th- there's him and, and there's so many other people yeah. that, because my, my kid, he wasn't understanding the difference between TV wrestling and indie wrestling. So he says, yep. orange, he says is Orange Cassidy going to be there? Nobody. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, he was is not. Um, and so I'm trying to explain it to him. And I said, these are the people that you are going to see 
in a couple months, next year, two years, mm-hmm. you know, five, whatever. I said, these are the people, and you're going to be so excited. You're going to say, oh, my God, I remember when I was front row watching them. Right. And now they're performing in front of thousands of people. Yeah. I was like, this is what indie wrestling is about and why we love it. And I was so thrilled with the whole night and and everything for New York Championship Wrestling. And uh, you go to one show as a fan, you just want to go to more. So, uh, yeah. you know, many of the companies that you've mentioned tonight, I'm already checking their Facebook. Well, you know, I'll check it again now that Facebook is fixed, apparently. Yeah, yeah. But, well, that's why I messaged you. I was like, uh, <laughs> I hope your Skype isn't down because, like, everything else in the world, everybody's freaking out. Yeah, but I'm, I'm looking at stuff. I'm like, okay, I have that day off. That's a short drive. Yeah. Every wrestler there drove a lot more than I'm going to drive as a fan. Yeah. So that's the least I can do is make that drive as well. Yeah. You know, like, buy the merch, get a T-shirt, get an 8 by 10 get a picture. Like, you know, I... Uh, I, I thanked people as I saw them and I'm still learning everyone too. And, and, and I'm, I'm at the point of some people in street clothes, it doesn't click with me right away. Right. Right. <laughs> you no, know, I, I need to get there for it. But like just thanking everyone too, oh, like man. everyone yeah, puts we... on a hell of a show. Yeah. Yeah. We, we appreciate that. Like, especially like anyone that drives or even just even if it's not far even if it's five minutes from you just coming out to see us like we appreciate it you know what i mean heels or baby faces because it 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 works without fans but it doesn't work as magically as it does when fans are there it's so much more magical when you hear the crowd and it's going crazy you know what i mean like that's really what we live for like we we can perform without fans but it's not that fun. It's fun, but it's not as fun. It's a thousand times more fun when you have fans around. Oh, I, I think we saw during peak COVID era, yeah. fans are a necessary part of wrestling. Yeah. It's just not the same without them. You can do stuff. You can have fun. A lot of companies did some innovative things to just try to keep it going. Yeah. But it's not the same without fans there. No, completely agree. All right. Speaking of fans, Johnny, though, I think we'll wrap this up. But where can fans see you in the upcoming weeks? Next two weeks, I'm off. Um, Well, right, right. (laughs) uh, Oh, actually, I lied. Why do I keep saying that? See, I'm not wrestling, so I feel like I'm not even going to the sanctuary. But I'm so going to the sanctuary on Sunday. So if you're in the Hazleton, PA area, please stop down the sanctuary and see my king coronation since I won that tournament. Um but then October 23rd, I will be at New York Championship Wrestling, and I have two giant surprises that are going to be there. So make sure you come oh, up and see my surprises. Um, after that, um, I don't think I have anything, but my social medias are um, my Twitter is Johnny Moran underscore, my Instagram is Johnny Moran underscore. Uh, my Facebook is Johnny Moran the Wrestler. It's a like page, so if you can go there and like it. I do have a personal profile, but I kind of just keep that for podcasters and um, other wrestlers because the like page is infinite. And you can message me on there, too. I will respond. I do have a Teesprings. Um, if you want to check out my Teesprings, it's Dark Horse Johnny Moran at Teesprings. Um, 
I have it on my link tree on any of my social media. So just click on the link tree and you can see my merchandise. I also have a YouTube page and same with that. It's Johnny Moran, the wrestler. Um, Cause if you type in Johnny Moran, it gets some kid is a really good basketball player right now. That's in the <laughs> NCAA that's named Johnny Moran. So good for him, but I'm the wrestler. So type in the wrestler and you'll be fine. I can't believe you're going to make me drive to Albany. Yeah, you definitely got to go to that one. That one's that one's gonna be fun. And I uh, know uh, it's a Saturday. I, just, I can yeah, do it. And it's it's not announced who I'm wrestling, but no, it's I, not. Yeah, so that'll be exciting when they announce that. And there's other things that'll be coming there that day, so it'll be cool. <laughs> okay, thank you, Johnny. If no, any of thank you, you, thank you. If any of you listening were unfamiliar for me. This show comes out every Thursday. Hellions Talks is part of the Retro Network. I also have my own site, MaskedLibrary.com, where I talk wrestling, comics, all sorts of nerdy and retro things. And you can follow me across most social medias, your Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, you know, all that stuff, at Masked Library. Johnny, thank you again for doing the show. This was a wonderful interview. I learned a lot about you, about all of indie wrestling, and a lot of names that I, I got fire up my IWTV and start typing them some names here. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Thank you so much. Seriously, I really appreciate it. It was a fun time.